0: Hi, welcome to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we try to find the silver lining to the dark, roiling abyss that we sometimes find ourselves. I'm Jordan Shively. I'm Brock Wilbur. And today, we'll be bringing you two stories from the void. I'm going to start us off talking about the Bloop, Brock. Okay, cool. Um, Which, you know, has a ridiculous name, the Bloop, but I just love the idea that there is a weird, unexplained sound... That science recorded and cannot tell us what the fuck it is. And it comes from deep inside the ocean. So I'm just going to go through some of the... No,
1: no. start off with separating this for, for me from the other unexplained sound that we've recorded an episode
0: about. So the hum, people basically know kind of where it's coming from. The hum is a hum that was reverberating through a specific city. The bloop is an extremely powerful underwater sound that was detected in 1997 by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA. Um, In 2002, it was said, they they started talking more about it after recording it and kind of secreting it. It was consistent with large marine mammals, animals, even though it was also consistent partly with noises generated by ice quakes and large icebergs or icebergs rasping the ocean floor. The NOAA tried to say that it was ice-related. However, there was still a lot of uncertainty as to the origin of the sound, because as of 2014, they only have heard it once. So, when you say ice-related, like it's 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 like the wind blowing through the ice, or no, no, they think maybe it was an ice shelf cal- calving, calf calfing into the ocean, where big chunks fall down and then fall down into the ocean and go brrr. Because I listened to, <laughs> listen to the sound, and that's what it fucking sounds like. It's like a lot of weird static and then a long... The sound source, they say, was roughly triangulated 50 degrees south, 100 degrees west, a remote point in the South Pacific, Pacific Ocean west to the southern tip of South America. The sound was also detected several times, not at different times, but several separate... Arrays of the Equatorial Pacific Ocean Autonomous Hydrophone Array. The system, it was developed as an array of hydrophones that could be deployed in an oceanographic region to monitor specific phenomena. And they mostly used it to monitor undersea seismic ice noise, which would then give a prior warning to like tsunamis and stuff that big things moving deep in the ocean. Also, mammal population and migration. So according to the, the description, the noise rose rapidly in frequency over about one minute and was of sufficient amplitude to be heard on multiple sensors that all ranged over 3000 miles apart, which is a big deal because the, the largest noises that they'd heard would never have been heard by multiple sensors because the noise circle of like a whale isn't enough to hit that far away. Um, Dr. Christopher Fox interviewed Dr. Woolman for an article about this in New Scientist. And Woolman does not believe that it was man-made or a submarine or a bomb or even a geological event. Um, he stated that the, that while the audio profile of the bloop does resemble that of a living creature, the source was a mystery and to be far more powerful than the calls made by any animal of Earth. <laughs> I Want to know more about Dr. Christopher Fox? Well. That's a lot of boring research that you can do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds like a scientist in a Bond film, like she's yeah. in a swimsuit, but she's also a doctor. And she's like, what, were you expecting a man?
0: Um, so, <laughs> Woolman states in the article that Fox initially speculated the bloop to be ice calving, as we talked about, but later came to be an origin. And this is where Wollman's quoted saying... Fox's hunch is that the sound nicknamed bloop is most likely to come from some sort of animal because its signature is a rapid variation in frequency similar to the sounds known made by marine beasts. There is one crucial difference, however. In 1997, the bloop was detected by sensors up to 3,000 miles apart. That means it must be far louder than any whale noise, or any animal noise for that matter. It is even remotely possible that some creature bigger than any whale lurking in the ocean depths or perhaps more likely, something that is much more efficient at making sound. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a scientifically recorded sound that is larger than anything they know how to calculate. And they say the, the rhythm of it isn't mechanical enough to be like ice or something else. So, it, so it,
1: has, it has a pattern, but not the same pattern as what any animal would do. And obviously ice wouldn't do this in a, in a pattern.
0: Yeah, they said the, the rhythm of it is like an animal, but it's too big to be an animal. Huh. There's a lot of weird speculation about this, obviously, because this just leads into like weird horror ideas. And also the fact that this location is only a few hundred miles away from where the Cthulhu mythos, say, Ryla is. Oh, oh,
1: I yeah, always pronounced so, it Ryleth. So every time you were saying it, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it may it may very well be Rilath, but I, I,
0: none, none of the words have a pronunciation. So who gives a shit? Also, Lovecraft was terrible, <laughs> exactly. Or if we actually anyone who has actually pronounced them correctly, you know they're crazy and their minds are melted, so we can't know what they said that one time. <laughs> but the, all this, all that stuff, really is just a k hole of fanfic, you know, based on this very real thing that happened. And I'm all for attaching weird fantasy to things that happen in real life. But I think the whole Ryla thing is just, you know, that's just bullshit. As much as I enjoy the flavor of that bullshit. (laughs) That's that's such a good line, Jordan. (laughs) I wish if it was a little shorter, it would be on a shirt. I love it so much. (laughs) So this is just an unexplained thing. And it's just mystifying enough and just puzzling enough to have the meat on its bones and enough allusions to weirdness that it's fascinating to me. This one doesn't have a lot of historicity to it or a lot of characters. It's just this weird fucking noise that no one knows what it is and the the normity of it baffles modern science, which makes it a very open plate or palette for the new carrying into the void for this week. (laughs) So you are formless. You are void. Or maybe you have just taken a while to come to the full realization of what you were becoming all along. Your voice, after so long traveling into nothingness, feeling like you were not heard, feeling like nothing you did mattered, nothing impacted your surroundings, that your voice, your voice, has finally echoed back. In the fullness of what you are, what you always truly were, is a revelation, like a lost ancient god rising from the depths To greet a world that has forgotten it, you turn to face yourself and exult in your own power. You are infinite. You are dark and true. And the only limit to what you will still become is your courage to step further into that yawning abyss, hands outstretched to grasp what you will find there. Boy, I like your bits. (laughs) I just
1: enjoy, I enjoy listening to this show. (laughs) So what you got for us, Brock? Uh, so a friend of mine moved out to Kansas City because they're uh, a coffee specialist, uh, and I hadn't had a chance to talk to them until they got out here. And I was like, "The fuck you doing here? It's Kansas City. Is it like PT Roasters or no? No, it is yeah. not. Uh, it's it, they're 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 somebody from San Francisco. Okay. Uh, Unimportant. I I, <laughs> sorry. I know I know
0: nothing about coffee. I, was that a joke? I think it was a joke. It wasn't a joke. It was just like me, like my lost coffee nerder, nerdery, like. Perking up. I, I I couldn't tell from
1: context either. You were telling me that it was like Starbucks, or you were actually going high end, and I couldn't tell.
0: No, PT Roasters is
1: a is a good roaster that I thought was from there. Okay, Go, moving well, on. <laughs> it, I I mean I don't know anything about Kansas City uh, or g- coffee. I don't know anything about anything except for the dumb shit I say on this show. Uh, so uh, I was like, what is like? I thought San Francisco was like the coffee capital of everything because also. Uh, coffee uh, comes in from around the world, and it has like hyper specific conditions it needs to be stored in. And San Francisco also had the environment for that. Uh, Seattle does too, and that's kind of it. Uh, and they were like, "Oh, you don't know about the caves in Cave City?" And I was like, "What? What is what is Cave City?" Cave City. Uh, so I I knew about Cave City when I was a kid. Uh, and it's changed since then so uh basically there's these limestone caverns uh outside of uh of Kansas City uh this and they hollowed it out underground uh, in in these mines uh and it's now just this insane gigantic underground complex series of caves and like starting in like the 60s uh the government realized we can store nuclear waste down there and we'll also store awesome. next to Next to the nuclear waste, we'll store all of our important files. So, like, if you go down looking for the files, you'll die. Uh, And the nuclear waste won't affect paper files.
0: It's a great place to keep stuff secret underground. That must be like a Missouri thing, because I lived in Springfield for a while, and they have the exact same thing, maybe minus the nuclear waste. And I worked down there loading pallets for a while. Really? Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, yeah, it's Missouri Side, Kansas City.
1: And so, a guy, the guy who owns the Kansas City Chiefs, bought the limestone caves in the 1960s and he renamed it Subtropolis. Subtropolis. Yes. And the T, <laughs> it's one word and the T in Tropolis is the capital. So, it's the most 1960s thing already. It's so close to like being something in the Fallout universe. It drives me insane. So, uh, in 1960s, he just opened up this giant underground facility, which, uh, according to their estimates, is something like 42 times the size of Arrowhead Stadium, which is one of the largest football stadiums. Can't, I can't visualize how gigantic this must be. Uh, and they just opened it up, and they're like, we got a bunch of space down here. And they didn't really know what to do with it. Like, a construction company started storing their stuff down there because they didn't have to winterize it because there was no weather Uh, But then people realized, oh, shit, like because of these conditions, we can store so much down here that the effects of time will not will not get to them. So, like, it is now where the U.S. post office keeps all of their rare stamps. Uh, The Ford Motor Company has several floors of it that are just every car they've ever made starting in the 1960s. Just it's this bat cave full of every cool car You've ever seen. And uh, there's a company that uh, cave ages cheese down there. So you can buy cave cheese, which is just a normal human thing to serve. That seems like the obvious one. Yeah, that seems like the obvious one. Uh,
0: But like uh, like Hallmark Cards is down there. (laughs) I always knew Hallmark Cards came from a cave in the earth. Uh, There's definitely
1: also like secret government weapons. And, and it's also uh, become where everyone is storing uh, all of the old film prints. So, like, the original Gone with the Wind is down there amongst millions of other films. Uh, and it's all in this crazy cave system that they built. And they're like, I don't know. We don't really know what it's for, but, like, people will figure it out. And over time... So many people have figured out, like, a way that they're like, oh, this is actually the only place in the world where we should put this. And the, uh, the Kansas City Public Library has a branch over the cave system. So they have an old bank vault beneath the library in the cave system, which they've converted into a small movie theater for 30 people. And you can rent it out for about 10 bucks a night. Uh, I, public libraries apparently don't understand how capitalism works. Uh, and so ten bucks a night for like the entire thing, for for, for a Not movie for theater. Person. It, yeah, just the whole thing, and you can <laughs> bring in whatever you want. Uh, and they even on their website have like a little asterisk at the bottom, like if you're coming to rent something from the library, we can't guarantee the film will be there that night. It's like I fucking know how library works, uh, but also like why is this ten bucks? So my birthday this year, I'm absolutely getting thirty friends together and watching The Descent. In an abandoned bank vault in in Cave City, uh, down in Subtropolis. So, my carrying into the void on this is, uh, we all show a surface to the world. We all present a layer that is easy to consider as the sum of your soul, but we forget in others, as we may forget in ourselves, that our greatest, truest, most unique elements are found buried. To discover our actual form, we must peel all that else away and burrow into uncharted territories. It is here where perhaps we have never surveilled that the true self-adventurer will discover the value of your construction, and perhaps even unusual and brilliant details making the infrastructure. To find this in ourselves and in those around us is to fully realize what we bring to the table and what ethereal brilliance we add to the collective and what our best role may be in the grand mission. Cool. Oh. oh, so self-care. I sucked at it. I, it. It has been it has been hard to watch you recently on
0: social media. I just worry about my, my poor, beautiful boy so much. I just have had a lot of things to do and it's been stressful. So the first thing, obviously, when you're stressed out is that disappears is your self-care actions. So I thought I'd spring this on you live and say, <laughs> hey, Brock, can you tell us what you did for self-care and give me something to do? Uh, so what I did for self-care this week, uh, I didn't
1: do on purpose and I, I, I actively wondered if I shouldn't say it out loud on the podcast because I worry it's going to give you a panic attack. Oh Uh, no. no. I lost my notebook. Oh no, that's just, uh, that's fine. Which has all my stuff, (laughs) but also my to-do list. Most importantly that I have to like do, uh, and with it gone, I've been trying to redo the to-do list and I think I've been using this notebook and just uh, transferring over to-do list page to page for maybe two years. This is the first time I haven't had it to work from when transferring
0: over the things to do. So you don't Uh, keep your books in triplicate? No. Oh yeah. That's a weird thing that no one does. Yeah.
1: Oh my God, Jordan, I worry about you so much. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I've, I lost my to-do list and it's amazing that when you do that, uh, there's so many things that I can't remember and maybe it wasn't fucking important that I do them oh, Things that's that awesome <laughs> I've been passing on a to-do list for like a year maybe two years like I've been putting I, I've never had a visa before and I keep trying to get a visa and I keep transferring it over and that just came to me but I'm probably not going to put it back on the list because if for two years I didn't have a visa you know what when it's time I'll get one uh, like a visa to where to, to just leave the country I've never left the country so oh, okay. I don't know at all. I've never had, little, had a visa uh, either. I just have a passport. I, that's what I meant was passport. See, I okay. didn't know the name of it, so I don't fucking need it. That yeah, was, exactly. It's so easy. Yeah, Moving it. on. Uh, some self-care for you. Uh, it's it's to return your own self-care that you gave me, episode one. You gave me Queer Eye. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think I told you about Queer this. Eye. I ran into a guy in my neighborhood who was uh, a, I see around at the bars and stuff, and he was Pretty upset. He's like, I've just spent so much money on clothes lately, and I was like, Wait, did you just plow through all of Queer Eye? He's like, My girlfriend and I did indeed watch Queer Eye. I got queer eyed. I just bought two hundred dollar pair of shoes. I've never done that before. I just threw away clothes that I've been wearing every day for nine years. I feel amazing, but I'm I'm pretty mad about it still because you know, dudes. uh, I've been doing a bit of it myself, and this week I got a new pair of pants, and I feel incredible. Uh, so that's my self-care recommendation is to get a pair of pants. When I when I did my first comedy special, I reached out on Twitter to so many professional comedians. It was like, what advice do you have? And so many of them did not write back. And Greg Barrett wrote back to me immediately and said, new pair of pants. And I was like, what? And he's like, just before the special, just go out maybe that day, day before, maybe wear them in a little bit. Just get yourself a real nice pair of pants. Uh, it'll make all the difference on, in the world and how you feel and how you look on stage. New pair of pants. And I hadn't thought about it. In in a couple of years, and I just put on a pair of pants and was like, I feel like a better man today. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, sometimes this works. So that's uh, that's my self-care recommendation. Get a pair of pants, my dude.
0: I do like fancy pants. (laughs) Yes, I I will add another basic to my wardrobe. (laughs) I don't think you know how deep my wardrobe planning goes, but I is it in triplicate? I'm. I'm so concerned. Yes, I, I keep backup Pinterest boards for the Pinterest boards. You know, it's all on the same <laughs> system, but still. One's a secret just for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. For my weirdest this friend. This <laughs> has been another great rambling episode. Um, we hope everyone enjoyed our attempts to peer into the darkness and find a silver lining that we can pull out writhing and attach it to ourselves to become stronger. Jordan, where can people find you online and support your work? You can find me at, at hottest singles on Twitter, which is also known as dread singles, or you can find some of the shirts I design at voidmerch.threadless.com. How about you, Brock? I'm at Brock Wilbur, almost everywhere.
1: Uh, check out my podcast with my wife called Missouri loves company. We do love company. And occasionally we have company. Um that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. Please rate review, share it with your friends, and uh hope you're all doing well
0: out there. Yep. See you next week, and until then, remember to keep your teeth sharp and many and your hearts dark and true. Bye. Bye.